It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sportsbook app, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Don't forget to hit that like button, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and leave us a five-star review. I'm Leah Merrill here with Craig Morgan and Steve Peters. We are live from Four Peaks Brewery in Tempe. Super thrilled to be here, but even more excited to welcome today's very special guest, TSN hockey insider Bob McKenzie. Bob, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks very much for having me on, guys. Really appreciate it. And always nice to talk to the good folks of Arizona. (laughs) (laughs) Bob, we have to ask, you sent me a hilarious text right before we went on, a photo of yourself, of course, holding your latest product. So before we get started, I have to ask, how goes the booze business and when can we expect Bobby Margarita to be available in the States? Well, we got two two things going on here right now. We've got a little... (laughs) Tim Hortons, so that's that's always good. That's always, very nice. oh, that's, that's always. not fair. There you it's go. Not fair. And, here. and of course, we have this, so make sure you can see that. Yep. Bobby Margarita, see there's a little picture and story about me and what, a, what an <laughs> idiot I am. But um, <laughs> and actually, we you know you, you guys are in a bar drinking. I know it's eleven o'clock there, but yeah, you know, mid mid afternoon here. Yeah, so we'll toast to you. We, do a little day drinking. But yeah, why not? <laughs> Cheers, Bob. Thank you. A number, of, a number of people in Montreal after yesterday's release of the rankings thought I took too many margaritas. <laughs> in, in, in any case, um, the, boo, the booze business is interesting. It's a lot of fun. And um, there are no plans at this time to uh, bring Bobby Margarita to the United States. We're still trying to conquer Canada. We'll focus on that one country at a time. And... Uh, and maybe one day it will eventually work its way to the United States. But failing that, we can always stick it in a suitcase and uh, make it <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's our plan. For They're heading to the draft. They better bring me some. <laughs> yeah, Lee and I will be in Montreal along with our producer, Jacob Franklin. So we'll, we'll probably try and smuggle some across the border. <laughs> can you uh, – some of us know the backstory of this. Some of us, some of us know – when your season officially ends. And and I don't know uh, even if you call this semi-retirement what your status is in terms of employment right now. Yeah. But can you recount the genesis of this business opportunity as well as how you came up with the name for those who don't know the backstory here? Well, it would have been uh, five, six years ago. I was uh, doing the playoff coverage at TSN. You work every night, watch all the games, and you're working, what, 60 straight days got bored and ran over to a Best Buy before uh, to, to try and kill some time uh, before a panel hit that we were doing and watching the games that night. And I saw a Jimmy Buffett frozen concoction maker, Margaritaville brand. <laughs> I looked at it and I thought, oh, that looks like fun. That'd be cool. I got a cottage. Maybe I'll buy that right now, tuck it away because I'm working like the next 50 or 60 nights. And we'll take it to the cottage and we'll fire it up and make some margaritas, frozen concoctions and such. So we, we, I did exactly that, put it away. And, um, you know, it was now after Free Agent Frenzy. So it was the week after Free Agent Frenzy that summer. And I thought, oh, man, I forgot. I got that frozen concoction maker. So I'm going to look for a recipe of margaritas. Saw Martha Stewart's recipe online. It was very good. Decided <laughs> going to make some frozen margaritas with this thing. And I decided to make a video of it. I put it on Twitter. Um, and... Uh, Changed my Twitter handle from uh, TSM Bob McKenzie to Bobby Margarita, just for, just for you know, giggles. Anyways, it, it, 
it kind of, it didn't go viral by any means, but people got a kick out of it. And um, and then I started to do it every summer. I would always when I went on vacation after Free Agent Frenzy, um, I would change my Twitter handle to Bobby Margarita. People yep. would get a kick out of it, and it started to take on a little bit of an identity. So much so that during the season, I might break a trade or a coaching hiring or firing or some bit of hockey news. And people would say, oh, it's news from Bobby Margarita. And <laughs> as, I'd, as I'd be in rinks or in, in walking through shopping centers or whatever the case may be, people would see me and go, hey, Bobby Margarita. So it was kind of a running joke that we, we had this brand um, with long before it was ever thought that there would be a product. And not to bore you with all the details, but um, there's a, a company called Ace Beverage Group in Ontario here, they do a lot of ready-to-drink cocktails. They've got a brand called Cottage Springs. They've got another one called Ace Hill. They're the number one Ontario-based um, ready-to-drink cocktail producer uh, in the province, and they're very big across Canada. So um, somebody from that company contacted one of my sons and said, hey, I got, I got some new beer. If you want to try it and talk about it on social media, it'd be really great. And so my son said, hey, by the way, what do you think of this? Bobby Margarita, ready-to-drink margarita. And they said... Hey, you know what? Sounds like a good idea. Let's run it up the flagpole here. And they did that and they came back very quickly and said, we'd be interested in doing something if you would. So I'm always good for a bit of an adventure. So <laughs> yeah. that was that was it. That was a year ago, March. And here we are. And uh, it's in uh, Alberta. It's in Saskatchewan. It's in, I believe, Manitoba. It's in Ontario, uh, Nova Scotia, Prince Edward Island, New Brunswick. Um, so, yeah, and it, it's been fun. It's been a, a lot of fun, but it's also been a lot of hard work. So. To Craig, to your point uh, about semi-retirement, it's uh, been a little busier than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> so I promise we'll talk about hockey at some point here, but I want to ask you one more thing about the product itself. How much a part of the quality control were you in, in actually coming up with the recipe, and, and how long did that take? Uh, huge, actually. Um, yeah. Anybody who knows me knows that you know I'm, I'd never be a silent partner in anything. I've got too big a mouth and too much of a control freak. <laughs> And, and, and plus, I mean, you, you do something your whole life and, you know, you, you want to make sure that it's got integrity. You, you want to make sure it measures up to what you think is the way it should be done. So I'm not an expert in, in the, the business of, of selling booze, but um, if, if I'm going to, I'm not just going to put my name on something and then just leave it to somebody else to do everything. So I was involved in every aspect of it, the, the, the design of the can, the colors, the logo, um, with a lot of input from the professionals who know stuff about this, the taste, the liquid, um, marketing of it, uh, and, and everything else, promotion that goes with it. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's a, I'm a detail-oriented guy that way, and uh, I try to be as involved as I can and make sure it's done the way that I would want it done. Um, with input from the professionals and if it works out great and if it doesn't work out then I can uh, there's no regrets afterwards where I'd say oh I should have done this or I should have done that you may not be an expert with the distribution and sales of alcohol <laughs> but like many sports writers you're probably an expert at drinking alcohol so you know what tastes good uh, best of luck with the continued growth of Bobby Margarita across the entire hockey playing world as far as I'm concerned it needs to expand but let's get into the draft because our show is really well timed you released your final prospect rankings yesterday on TSN. A little bit of a shock. I, I think people that have been paying attention have seen Yoris Levkovsky maybe trending up and some, some uh, thought that he could go number one overall. But you had him ahead of Shane Wright at the top of your draft board. I know you speak to a lot of NHL sources, executive scouts. Can you explain to us how Slavkovsky toppled Wright in your rankings? Well, before I explain how Slavkovsky ended up at number one, I should probably explain what the rankings are because the, the, there tends to be a lot of confusion about that. And, and I saw that firsthand. I see it every year, but it really was driven home again yesterday when the, when, when the rankings came out and the Montreal Canadian fans went bananas because <laughs> most of the Montreal Canadian fans believe that Shane Wright is the number one prospect. They want the Montreal Canadians to take Shane Wright and they don't like the idea that anybody would suggest that Shane Wright is anything other than the number one pick to the Montreal Canadiens. Now, if those Montreal Canadiens fans that went bananas had actually taken the time to actually read the story that accompanied the graphic that you're looking at right now, very high in the story, they would. and I realized having to read a few paragraphs 
is is too much work for most people <laughs> on social media. <laughs> I, if, if you can't consume that graphic in 15 seconds or less and draw all your conclusions from that and not even understand what you're looking at, then it's not really social media. So <laughs> the, it, what I said very clearly is I'm not saying the Montreal Canadiens are going to take uh, Uri Slavkovsky. I'm not saying they should take Uri Slavkovsky. I do a consensus ranking. Uh, we do a preseason version in September. We do a midseason version in January. We do a draft lottery edition on the day of the draft lottery. It's a little more, it, it's a, a much smaller scope. And then we do the final draft rankings now. And I survey 10 National Hockey League scouts. Most of them are head scouts for different teams in the NHL. Not all of them, but most of them. And I, I survey them to get in, numerical information from them on the various prospects. So it provides a consensus ranking. And, and usually it, it comes out pretty well. Like it's, it's not unusual for me to be at the draft and the first 20 players go and maybe 19 of the 20 guys that have been taken were in my top 20. That, that's not that unusual. There are aberrations and, and what have you. But now getting back to the actual list. Beginning of the season, preseason, 10 of 10 scouts said that Shane Wright was the number one guy. At the midseason list, 9 of 10 scouts said that Shane Wright was the number one guy. Although a lot of them who voted for Shane Wright, a lot of those 9 who voted for Shane Wright cautioned that it was becoming extremely close. Now, that was pre-Olympics. Now, at the um, draft lottery, I talked to nine scouts. I didn't get the 10th one. It was put together fairly quickly. And I only did a top five. And so six of nine scouts said that Shane Wright was still at number one. Now I go, a couple of weeks ago, survey the same 10 scouts that I started with at the beginning of the season. And lo and behold, Five of them said that Uri Slavkovsky is the number one, should be the number one pick. Four of them said Shane Wright should be the number one pick. And one of them said American Gordon Center Logan Cooley from the U.S. Wow. under-18 team should be the number one pick. It was very reminiscent, I should add, of, of a number of years ago where Nico Heeshear got mm. five votes as the number one pick. Nolan Patrick got four votes as the number one pick. And one really smart scout said that Kale McCarr should have uh, wow. been the number oh one overall gosh. pick. Wow. And we had him at number four on our list that year. So in, in any case, that's the process. It's not personal. I don't make, there's no subjectivity on this. I don't go out and scout the players. Um, my strength is that I have the ability to talk to a lot of scouts who trust me implicitly and give me information they might not otherwise want to give me. And that allows me to put together a list and become what I would Oh, I've always billed myself as the greatest pseudo draft expert in the history of the draft because I'm not a real scout. Um, our, my pal Craig Button at TSN goes out and actually watches these players. He's far more of an expert on these players than I am. And there's all sorts of people who dedicate their entire lives to nothing but the draft. And they are true experts and I'm not. But I am very good at doing what I've done my whole life. And that is reporting on things that other people tell me. <laughs> and and that's really the essence of, of this. So the, the obvious conclusion here is that Yuri Slavkovsky was, he was number five at the mid-season rankings. Then came the Olympics. Then came the men's senior world championships. He was lights out good in both of those events. And now suddenly he went from five at mid-season to number one. Shane Wright, over the course of the season, is trending in the other direction. And he had a good season in the Ontario Hockey League, but there were a lot of nights when he left a lot of scouts wanting more. And he scored fewer goals in his draft year than he did two years ago as a 15-year-old player who was in the Ontario Hockey League because he had exceptional status. And, and so that was concerning to a number of scouts. Now, the flip side, and I made sure to point this out in the story as well, there were a lot of scouts concerned that Yuri Slavkovsky's best work happened in two tournaments at the Olympics and the Senior Men's World mm -hmm. Championship. And that the numbers he put up in the league of the Finnish league of the Finnish elite league, he only, only had five goals over the course of the season. And for much of the season, he was stuck on two goals. So there are reservations about both players in terms of whether they can become first line players in the national hockey league. Wow. Um, well, Wright is clearly still an elite player, you know, even if he's not a 
unanimous number one. He's still ranked highly. Are there concerns about him even falling out of the top two? Could you foresee that something like that happening? You know, it's really difficult to know. Um, I, I don't actually broadcast the draft anymore. I, I, I think last year might have been the first year I didn't do it in a long time um, because NBC was supposed to, in its last year of its um, agreement with the National Hockey League, NBC was supposed to do last summer's draft, and they didn't get to do that. They had to give it up because it was the same day as the Olympic opening ceremonies. And obviously, in a lame duck position that NBC was in as ESPN and TNT and Turner were taking over, um, they basically surrendered it back to the National Hockey League. And um, it, the NHL decided to produce their own own draft telecast that would appear last year on ESPN and Rogers Sportsnet in Canada. And since I'm a TSN employee and Rogers Sportsnet's the rival, um, I, there was no position for me on the draft broadcast. So what I would say about... Um, what happens on draft day is I never really spend very much time until the morning of the draft day chasing all those rumors because what I found from my experience over the years was you just chase your tail. There's so many rumors and there's yeah. so many so much stuff out there and most of it ends up being BS that you just waste an enormous amount of time. And I never even started to try to figure out who was taking who until the actual morning of the draft. And then that day I would really start to drill down on it. I don't even need to do that this year because I'm not on a draft broadcast. But what I can tell you, and, I, and I, I also like the joke, I was always known as the hockey insider. I'm truly much more of a hockey outsider than insider now. And, and I mean that in all sincerity. So what I tell you now, I qualify with that statement. Um, so anecdotally speaking, Canadians don't take Shane Wright at number one. One of the theories that's out there, and, and I've not spoken to anybody in the New Jersey Devil organization about it, is that the New Jersey Devils, because they have Nico Heashier, because they have Jack Hughes, that positionally in a year where there's not much separating the top winger from the top center, from the top defenseman, that maybe New Jersey might be inclined to positionally and not take a center. And if that were to happen, then obviously Shane Wright would not go in the top two. But there's a lot of ifs there. Montreal has to, you know, take somebody other than Shane Wright. New Jersey has to decide that they're, they're not going to take the consensus uh, number two on our list at number two. So is there, is there uh, a path to Shane Wright dropping to number three? Um, I, yeah, I would have to say potentially there could be. Wow, <laughs> that's it. We can can we end the show now? Like that. we've been talking about playing wrong for right at our show for almost a year in Arizona, and you know we're in the middle of a rebuild here. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. The Coyotes are rebuilding right now, so this draft is incredibly important. The Stanley Cup was awarded a few days ago. The Coyotes Stanley Cup is next week, so we talk about Shane Wright, and if he falls, you know he's still in that top three. We've talked a lot about Logan Cooley here on our show. We've talked about Logan Cooley as a middle ice center that can really help this team. Do you see this? The Coyotes picking at three, taking who's ever left at three, or with Bill Armstrong and his traditionally likes those big, strong players that he built that helped build the St. Louis Blues team with. Do they move past a guy like Logan Cooley and go for somebody else? Or is this, hey, these are the three best players. The Coyotes are going to be there and get one of these three best players. Yeah, the, the short answer again, and sound like the outsider that I am, is the short answer is I don't know. Um, and, and I've always kind of prided myself on being, when I'm asked direct questions that I don't have an answer to. <laughs> I, I like sure. to give you the honest answer. You know, yes, no, or I don't know. And in this case, I really don't know what the Coyotes would do at number three if Shane Wright is there. Um, I could uh, I could easily make a case that don't overthink this, um, in spite of the fact that uh, he left some scouts wanting over the course of the year um, with the level of his play. Um, he's still got an incredible pedigree. He's still a very good player who put up 90-plus points in the Ontario Hockey League. Um, and he's got all the, all the elements of a really good all-around, uh, you know, probably a worst number two center who could still be uh, a lowercase number one center. Um, but, you know, the, you know, the other anecdotal thing you hear, and I've heard it about New Jersey and I've heard it about Arizona is they want to get bigger. Well, I mean, you know, and some people would point, well, 
Shane Wright's a solid guy. He's a solid six foot, six foot one, whatever, and 190 odd pounds, almost 200. Um, he's not a small guy by any any stretch of the imagination. You know, and and but the alternative is, you know, the consensus number three on our list is Logan Cooley, and he is a, a what's called a smaller center, that is under six feet. Um, although the scouting reports on him are that he goes to the really hard areas to score goals, um, that there's no concern in 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 that vein. So, you know, as I say, I don't know what the Coyotes would do at three if Shane Wright is there. Um, but Wright, Cooley seem like great options. Um, and and listen, it, the other point I should make about this draft, and and people have a tough time sometimes getting their head around it, is just how tight everybody is at the top end of this draft in the first round. Mm-hmm. I know there. I, I I surveyed scouts who had Cutter Gauthier, at least one at least one scout who had Cutter Gauthier uh, from the U.S. Under 18 team um, ahead of Logan Cooley, um, and and he's he's a much bigger, stronger, prototypical power type player. Played mostly wing for the um, for the U.S. Under 18 team, but when Logan Cooley was injured, also played a lot of center. And, and did well at center. Now, the, the majority of scouts I talked to believe that Gauthier projects in the NHL as a winger, um, but there may be some teams that think of him as that big center. The scouts I talked to suggest that the level of vision and creativity um, wouldn't, wouldn't lend itself to a projection as a number one or number two center in the National Hockey League, but that his, his physical size, strength, speed, shot, nose for the net, um, would lend itself very well to being, at the very least, a top six scoring winger who might be a frontline scoring winger, um, you know, in terms of, again, I, I don't usually try to get into too many comparables because it creates a false sense of expectations. But I got the feeling when play, when scouts were describing um, Cutter Gauthier that maybe they were describing a Chris Kreider kind of player. Mm-hmm. Bob, I wanted to ask you you, 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 you touched on this earlier. I have no idea how scouts do what they do, first of all, projecting 17-, 18-year-old kids with so much physical, mental, emotional growth ahead of them. But the last two years threw another variable into the mix in COVID. It impacted leagues. It impacted players. It impacted development. Have scouts gained a real sense of how to factor that into the calculus when evaluating players? Yes and no. I think they've... They've, they've quickly recognized that the, 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 the pandemic really damaged and altered the way they do their job, um, how difficult it is to read players. And, and, and you know, this, a lot of this group is what we might call the COVID class. You know, mm-hmm. Shane Wright lost an entire year of hockey. Yeah. He played one under-18 tournament, not this past season, but the season before. Uh, you know, that, that can't help a player. I wouldn't think. And, and, and as a result, I think it really skewed. I think the, the scouts probably realized I have a little less confidence in a lot of the decisions we're making in last year's draft in particular. Um, they, things got back more to normal this year. So I, I think they feel much better now than they did a year ago. But I think they're still recognizing that there could be some real negative impacts on the development of a lot of the players that they drafted in the last two years. And, and to some degree, some of the players that are going to be drafting this year. So I think they've got their head around the whole idea of, of, of what the pandemic meant to it. But I think it's really a mixed bag in terms of, um, you know, the, the, the true impact of it. Um, so we've talked a lot about the forwards in this draft, but I want to um, kind of shift over to the defensemen. Would you say that um, Simon Nemec, and I don't think I'm saying his name 100% <laughs> correctly, um, is, do you think he's the best defenseman in this draft? And what is his ceiling of potential? Well, he's, and then, you know, I, I, I'm the same as you. I sometimes look at Nemec, Nemec, yeah. Nemec. <laughs> in, in any case, he's, um, he's number four on our list. Uh, the next defenseman after him is David Yurichek, um, the, uh, the, the, the defenseman from Czechia. Um, and then we get a run of defensemen just outside our top 10. Kevin Korczynski, a Canadian who plays for the Seattle Thunderbirds. Pavel Mintyakov, an offensive defenseman, a Russian who plays for the uh, Saginaw Spirit. Um, so we've got four defensemen in the top uh, top 15, or well, four defensemen in the top 12. Um, 
I've had scouts make a case for each and every one of them, but Nemeth is the guy that um, more scouts than not that I talk to think is the number one guy. He's um, he's a solid six footer in a draft where there's so many sub six foot defensemen, sub six foot puck moving defensemen. Nemitz is a he's a solid guy. He's close to 200 pounds. He moves the puck extremely well. He skates extremely well. His hockey sense is very good. Um, I just think he's he's a really heady, intelligent guy who's got all the physical tools. Who projects in the National Hockey League is probably at best a, a number two that could play on your top pair, or a number three who um, who, who can play up and down your uh, your lineup. Um, you know, Yurichek is is more of a physical guy, um, and maybe and again, the the thing about Nemitz is he's he he doesn't absolutely blow you out of the water with his he doesn't have a dynamic offensive capability to him but that's not to say he can't help create offense and he's not a physically punishing player which is to suggest he's not a shutdown guy um but that's not to say at all that he's a a liability he positions himself well he's got a good stick he's got a good head for the game his gap controls are good so the scouts i talk to seem to think he's the best all-around defenseman but Juracek is a bigger guy he's six foot three He's got a real physical dimension with a lot of bite. Um, his skating's maybe not as good um, as some of the other high-end defensemen in this draft. Um, and uh, people wonder about what's the, is there an offensive ceiling there on your check? But he most certainly could play on your shutdown player pair and be a physically punishing guy. Um, Korczynski's a guy that's uh, rocketed up the charts. He went up 14 spots from midseason to, uh, to our final rankings. He's, he's a big, rangy guy that skates really well and has really good offensive ability. Still has to learn the defensive part of the game, but the, the scouts view him as having a really high offensive ceiling. And Minchikov is also a very offensive-minded defenseman who is not at all geared right now to play defense. Fairly one-dimensional in terms of his offensive ability. I played on a poor Saginaw team where it was difficult to play defense because they did spend a lot more time in their own end than they would have liked. So those are the top four guys and sort of a, a sliding scale depending on who you talk to, but there's no doubt that Nemitz was the, the consensus guy. But if you're asking me, would I fall off my chair if somebody took a defenseman other than Nemitz um, first? Uh, no, I wouldn't fall off my chair if that happened. Bob, we just saw the Stanley Cup awarded to the Colorado Avalanche and the Tampa Bay Lightning were right on their heels. Two teams that had their core pieces picked through the draft. So we look at Arizona Coyotes now, and again, we're not there yet, but three picks in the first round, seven picks in the first 45. Never happened in the history of the NHL having that many picks in the first 45. Can Coyotes fans at this point have a little bit of hope that this is how a team gets built to actually win? Um, I think you can have hope, but what I would say when you attach hope to it is... um, is also patience, and and you know you maybe if Craig's got a computer there he could look this up while we talk, but the Montreal Canadiens are picking first overall in the draft this year, which means they um, you know last overall or and or and or a lottery win, um, but you know they were full value for their uh, for their first pick. Um, look at their last couple of drafts, their last two or three drafts I bet, and count up how many picks they had. In each of those drafts, I mean, I I could be wrong, but they I, I want to say they had three, four, or five second-round picks last year, or the year before. So I mean, the draft is a the the draft in hockey can have a huge impact right out of the gate, right immediately, depending on the player you get, especially at the high end of the first round. Um, but I would caution that at the high end of the, this first round this year. It's, it's not viewed the same as when there's a Connor McDavid or an right. Austin Matthews. Mm. Um, not even close. It's not even viewed as a Steven Stamkos or John Tavares type year. Um, so, as I said, because the projections I get right now from the scouts I talk to is that Wright is a high-end second-line center with a chance to be at number one. And Slavkowski is a high-end second, a second, a top-six winger who certainly has the tools and a chance to be a number one winger in the NHL. Um, so, 
but otherwise, outside of those immediate guys that come in and turn your franchise around quickly, and some would say, how quickly did Connor McDavid turn around the Edmonton Oilers? How quickly <laughs> yeah. did how quickly did Austin Matthews turn around the Toronto Maple Leafs? How many years of multiple high-end first-round picks have we seen go to teams like um, the Oilers and the Leafs and the Buffalo Sabers and, and so many others? And and still you, you you're on that hamster wheel. It seems. You know, the rebuilds are, are long and they are painful and it's not a straight line. And just when you think you've made the, the quantum leap forward to be a, a competitive team that maybe has a chance at the playoffs, quite often there's a step or two taken back before you go forward again. So all I could say to the fans of Arizona is, yeah, it's great to quantify all these, quantify and qualify all these multiple picks but buckle up because it's a long ride. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing us back down to reality. Yeah, yeah. That's right. And thus we have the beer. Yeah, and, exactly. And not not that it not that it hasn't not that it hasn't been already. And that's that you know that's the hard part for places like Arizona, <laughs> where you know they haven't been a good hockey, a real good a real contending or competitive hockey team for a long time. Let's save a few blips here. There, the Edmonton Oilers have gone through the same thing. The Edmonton Oilers went through the same thing prior to becoming. A salary cap quasi dynasty. The Chicago Blackhawks went through the same thing. Yeah, so did the right. Pittsburgh Penguins. It, you know, but you know, when you look at Edmonton in particular, Buffalo in particular, we're talking we're talking more than a decade. Right. We're talking 10, 11, 12 years of almost abject failure. <laughs> um, and, oh, God. And, Bob, I think, I think a lot of our fans uh, just decided they're going to day drink as well now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Trying to sell more I'll, Bobby I'll Margarita. Let, I love it. I'll, I'll, I'll let you guys, you know, I, haven't, I don't have the Arizona um, or slash Phoenix, um, uh, you know, record in front of me. But, you know, I, I feel like it's been a long time since <laughs> yeah. somebody could say that the Coyotes are a competitive yeah. contending team. Uh, yeah. Yeah, been a and, decade. And don't so. look at our draft history here either, Bob, because yeah. that has been, yeah. Ooh. All right, let's, moving right on. Uh, when you look at the guys, we, we've talked about the number three overall pick a lot. But they have a lot of picks lumped together. We, we talked about they have seven in the first 45. Well, most of those fall in very short order in the late first round, early second round. Are there any drawbacks to having that many picks lumped so close together? Or can actually, can it be an advantage? Really, it can be an advantage. It can be a little bit of a disadvantage, I suppose. But at the end of the day, it's it's all just currency. Draft picks are just currency. And whether they're draft picks that haven't been made or whether they're draft picks that have been made, then they become prospects. And, and, and that then becomes like investing in the stock market. Those prospects, their value can go up, their value can go down. Um, but there is a right now a, a fixed value for the most part. You know, NHL teams and, you know, they, they can quantify just about everything and everybody talks about analytics. You know, there are complex, or maybe they're not complex, but everything's complex. Anything to do with a number involved is complex to me. Um, <laughs> Same. The, Same. The, the, math, the math gene skipped my family entirely. <laughs> um, but there are formulas that if you have the 27th pick and the 33rd pick and you put them together, it's worth whatever higher pick in the, in, in the first round. And, and they do that on a sliding scale all the way through, it, especially in, in Prague, you're at the, the, the draft a lot, I'm sure, or they've been there a lot. And we've had them virtually for the last couple of years. But when you, especially even when you get into the fifth and sixth and seventh rounds, you're seeing all of a sudden these deals are done where, you know, two draft picks get traded for four draft picks. And you're thinking to yourself, man, the draft's almost over. We just want to get going. It's day two. And, <laughs> and what team, teams are doing is they're looking at their – analytics and, and the equation that says what these picks are worth if we move up, what these picks are worth if we move down, what this pick is worth if we move down. And, and so I, as I go back, the, the, the picks are currency. And if you choose to move those picks on the day of the draft, you can turn them into live assets that might be older and more ready to come in. And that's how you accelerate um, uh, a rebuild. You know, Dean Lombardi was uh, one of his great skills with the Los Angeles Kings was knowing when to take guys that were in your young players that were in your lineup or draft picks uh, or prospects um, and and trade those guys at the key moment. You know, he, he did it when he traded Wayne Simmons 
uh, to Philadelphia and when he made the deals to get Jeff Carter, when he made the deals to get Mike Richards to, to pave the way for um, um, the Kings to, to win, the, win, the, win their cups. And, and, and Lombardi always used to talk about, you know, when, when the bucket is overflowing with prospects and you feel as though your team is at a certain level, time to start taking all those prospects or picks, moving them out for older players that can, can complement the, the prospects and the, the picks that you decided to keep. So we're going to get into some rapid fire. We have a list of players here. Just want your takes taken 30 seconds um, on each of these players. So we'll start with um, Nathan. Is it Gauthier? Gauthier? Okay. Um, Yeah, from the Quebec Ramparts. Yeah, a very big center. Um, You know, some offensive ability, but this is is a, a constant refrain. And we could even talk about it in terms of a higher-end guy like Marco Kasper, who's number 10 on our list. Marco Kasper is an Austrian who played in the Swedish League. Um, Connor Geeky of the Winnipeg Ice is number 13 on our list, I believe. Yeah, um, big, strong center. Um, and, and all the way down to, to guys like Gauthier and others. And, you know, NHL teams, general managers, scouts, they love getting a big center that can play. And, and what's not to like about that in the National Hockey League. But a lot of times the big center that can play maybe has some offensive limitations or maybe isn't, isn't as big a point producer. If they were, then they'd be projected as number one guy. So the, the classic conundrum for players like Gaucher, um and, and, guys, and, and even guys at the higher end like Geeky and Casper is what, what – you project for them what's their offensive ceiling is it way up here or is it in the middle here or is it way down here and and you want a big guy but depending on where you're picking in the first round do you want to take a guy who the consensus is well he's going to top out as a third line center or do you want more bang for your buck depending on where you're picking in the first round and and so guys like there's there's a big debate going on right now with Casper, and and I'll, I'll talk about Gaucher in a second. But with Casper, it's it, some scouts think he's got more offensive upside than he gets credit credit for, and that as the season wore on, he started to show glimpses of that, and he finished strong. If you really believe that's the case, then he could go a lot closer into the top five than top ten. If you don't believe that he's got that higher offensive ceiling then he could go a lot closer to 15, 20, or 25 overall as opposed to where we've got him at the number 10 spot. Same sort of thing with Connor Geeky. Do you believe Connor Geeky can, can flirt with being a second-line center in the NHL instead of a third-line center? Well, he's a top-10 pick all day long. But if you think there might be some offensive limitations or that his speed is just average and therefore um, he, he might not be as productive, um, then maybe you drop him down a little bit, but um, everybody loves a big center that can play both sides of the puck. Um, but if they, uh, if, if they don't have enough offensive ability, then you see them drop down. So at some point in the first round, we've got Gaucher at number 28 could go higher than that. If you believe he can be a, a lowercase second line center. But if you think he's pigeonholed as just a third line center, well, then maybe he could go exactly where we've got him. Um, and if you think that he's really offensively limited, then he might not be a first rounder at all. But at some point, just being a big center um, that can make plays and, and did as well as he did over the course of the year, um, then he's he, you know he's not going to fall too far. So, Bob, one of the things we talked a lot about the center iceman here. Is there any guy on here that we've missed that because Arizona's talked about center ice depth? for a long time that they haven't had it 20 years um, yeah. yeah we had jeremy Rolnick back in the 90s but so is there any guy that we've missed on this list today that you go okay here's a guy we haven't talked about that coyotes fans might know and you know this we talked about those late picks so it could be late first round early second round that yes they can still get a good centerman this late well um i mean one of the one of the uh, there's, there's three interesting players, and they're not all centers, obviously, but I'm going to tie all three of them together. The, the three Swedes that are ranked in the first round, 
Um, so you've got uh, Jonathan Lakaramaki at number eight. He's a scoring winger. Um, you've got Liam Ogren at number 21, um, who's a, uh, I believe he's the center on the line that played at the under-18s with Lakaramaki on one wing and Noah Osland on the other wing. And um, Osland is um, uh, an undersized guy, but very dynamic. And, and that line was lights out at the under-18 World Championships for Sweden. And um, Ogren and Osland are 21 and 22 on our list. The Karamaki's number eight. Um, I can tell you the kind of draft year it is. That's a consensus ranking. I, I'm, I'm looking here at my range for Ogren. And I've got one scout who had him in the top 10. Actually, two scouts had him in their top 10. And another one had him just outside the top 10. Um, so there's a guy who we've got at number 21 as a consensus ranking that has a decent amount of support as somebody who could forge their way into, into the top 10. And um, I'll have to go back and I get confused sometimes with uh, so many players and things, but I, I want to say Ogren's the center and Oslin and Lakaramaki are the wingers, but uh, uh, somebody will correct me very quickly if I was wrong on that, I'm sure. All right, Bob, we have kept you a very long time. We're going to ask you one final question. Of course, we're going to put you on the spot right before you leave here. Nice. Good. Who are the Coyotes taking at number three? What's, what's, what's your prediction? And this, this is your walk-off here right here. This is your walk-off quote Drop that everyone mic. will critique from here until the draft. Uh, I will give you, and this is a cop-out, um, but I'll give you the same answer I gave earlier. I have no clue. No clue whatsoever. And, and I've never been less vested in finding out because, as I said, when I was actually broadcasting the draft, which I did for much of my career, um, first with PSN and then with NBC. Um, it was my pride and joy to try and know ahead of time which how the draft was going to unfold. And as I said, the, I would wake up that morning of the draft and my mission in life was to gather as much information as I could. And I never really started to, to feel good about the order of selection and how things were going to roll out until I actually got on the draft floor in the 45 minutes or the hour right before the draft. Huh. And I don't, I don't have the ability to do that. And so, I mean, for me, even if I was doing broadcasting the draft, which I'm not, I would tell you that here we are on whatever day it is, Wednesday, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, so in, in the draft isn't until next, the first round of the draft isn't until next Thursday. That might as well have been a million years away from, <laughs> from even even when I was broadcasting the draft. And now I still haven't fully decided yet whether I'm even going to be at the draft or whether I'll just sit at home with a Bobby Margarita <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and try and uh, tweet out the picks before they happen like I did last <laughs> So just to be clear, I'm going to let you, Leah take you out in a minute here, but just to be clear, Bobby Margarita is available in Montreal, right? <laughs> It's actually not. But, <gasps> oh, no. Killing us. So there will be a but, ship in waiting at our, it's, at our it's, Airbnb, it's very, right? It's very, it's very close. Uh, it's not very far to Hawkesbury. Yeah, well, we can drive to the border. There it is. You, you can just drive over to Ontario and uh, fill up uh, your your, uh, your rental vehicle and away you go. You'll <laughs> knock, knock, knock yourself out. Perfect. Right. We're going to have to do that. Yes, absolutely. Well, Bob, we can't thank you enough for taking um, a generous amount of your time today and coming on our show. So thank you so much. And if you do end up going to the draft, um, you'll have to say hi to me and Craig there in Montreal. So Sounds good. Thanks, Petey. Thanks, Leah. Thanks, Craig. Really appreciate it. Hi to all the folks in Arizona. I uh, hope you enjoy the draft and have a great summer. Thanks, great chat. Thanks, thank Bob. you appreciate so you. much. Thank you. Awesome. Wow. Thanks. Well, absolutely wonderful interview. I can't tell if my buzz is coming from the beer or chatting with Bob McKenzie. For it's unreal. It's like, if you're a hockey fan and you have the luxury of getting Canadian broadcasts in your home, that's a big deal. Like, that was a big deal. Like, that's that's Bob McKenzie and not the one from... <laughs> like, do you know that? That means yeah, nothing. Great nothing to you? Sorry. Yeah, Great White North. I know Bob what you're and Doug. about. I know what you're Bob and my about. brother Doug, nothing? No. Nothing at all no. for Leah. This I got is, nothing. That, Google uh, Another... Google Another uh, segment of old versus new. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. we need old to get yeah, that was young, absolutely amazing. It. Absolutely yeah. amazing. And, and it, 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 it would, would strikes home to me the biggest thing was Shane Wright might not be number one 
and he might not be number two. So we've been talking about wrong for right for nine months. (laughs) And can you imagine if Shane Wright is an Arizona Coyote? After all of that? Yeah, I I have had so many people that I talk to discuss the very thing that Bob brought up on our show. So you're the Montreal Canadiens. You walk in and you say, yeah, we're taking Uri Slavkovsky. They're going to be a bunch of people at Centre Bell with Shane Wright jerseys on. They've watched him play nearby, grown up. They think that that should be the guy. If you don't think there's pressure on an organization when it's hosting a draft to take the guy that everybody in the fan base wants, you're crazy. It exists. It also exists that you want to make a splash. I wonder sometimes, like, if if Montreal really wants Slavkovsky at number one, do they try and swing a deal and get the number two pick as well so they make a big splash, get both of those players? That would be unreal. You see who that leaves for the Coyotes, but... It's real. That pressure is real when you're hosting a draft. We've seen it multiple times already. We've seen, we saw it happen in Chicago. Yeah. When Chicago made those big deals, you feel extra pressure when the fan base is just breathing down your neck on the draft floor to make a Pick splash. Quick, and the other thing that it brought home is, is maybe Logan Cooley isn't three anymore. Like All of these things changing so quickly a week before the draft. Cutter Goche is jumping way up, and he's a big, strong centerman. We've been... Like, it just threw the whole draft prep of all of us for the last three months on its ears. But, but I did like that he said that the the breakdown of the scouts talking, the one who said Makar a few years ago, yeah. and one said Cooley. So if the Coyotes do get Cooley, could Cooley be, you yeah, know. Be that guy. It's, it's amazing. Like, and that's, that's, that is the positive for this, this draft for the Arizona Coyotes. There are good yes. players. Not great players. Good players. But we don't know, do we? We don't oh, yeah, even know. That's true, because the COVID, of COVID you don't yeah. actually know. We just it's it's you're projecting 17 and 18 year old kids. There could be a couple superstars that come out of this draft. And we just don't know. And it, I, I laugh. And, and it's funny what Bob said about not even having a sense of the draft order until he gets the draft that day. This is like one of this is the most veteran reporter out there yes. saying that. Like so, all the chatter out there, all the fans saying, yeah. "Oh, I like this guy. I like that guy." HK, sorry, <laughs> you don't know. Yeah, you don't Youth, know. And to, to quote Jim Mora, you think you know, but you, you never will. Know. But if there's a so. year for the Coyotes to throw a bunch of picks at the wall, yeah. this is the one. And they have a bunch of picks to throw. So, I mean, we'll see what happens next week. It's it's a gamble. So, um, And it's you know what else is a gamble? Oh, wow. <laughs> you just did that? that. Oh, wow. <laughs> you didn't even do that on purpose. No, I did. Um, <laughs> hockey's done, so you can't bet on hockey unless you want to bet on Team Futures. Craig's almost done with his beer, Randy. by the way. Um, but there's plenty of sports you can bet on on the DraftKings Sportsbook app, including the UFC this weekend. You might see Love the, that the, the cast slicer, slicer, the Peruvian necktie. I don't know what any of those are, but it sounds <laughs> legit. There are tons of ways to come out on top in the Octagon and for UFC 276. There's one more with the DraftKings Sportsbook app, the official sports betting partner of UFC. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code PHNX. Bet $5 on any UFC 276 fighter to win. Get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code PHNX this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details, and I don't want to forget it. I want to come back to a super chat we yeah, got a, super chat. Uh, a few minutes ago from Dan, a $10 super chat. Wow. Kudos to having the legend Bob McKenzie on the show. Thank you for to Craig for setting that up, and thank you all for watching and being involved in the chat. We see all your comments um, and, and for joining us. And Yeah, and I, I wanted to address that. I know people have a lot of questions for Bob McKenzie, and, and I, I, I want to be more interactive on some of our shows, but when Bob McKenzie is offering his thoughts, Yep. You just kind of shut up and listen. So it's <laughs> just the way the show has to roll because I'm I'm interested in everything that's coming from Bob McKenzie's lips. Absolutely. I also love that we toasted at 11 a.m. Arizona time <laughs> yeah. and with a Bobby Margarita. Yeah. So cheers. We're out here at Four Peaks, Peaks. 8th Street Pub all day long today, along with the rest of the PHNX crew. The Coyote Show was kicking things off. We got bets right after us and just the schedule is going to roll on back to back to back shows. If you're available to swing by Tempe, do so. We're all here hanging out. There's drink specials. Yep. Um, and if you want to do it, if you want to enjoy a beverage, you must be 21 or older and enjoy it responsibly. But we hope you come out. I'll be hanging out here all day. We're here for a little bit. So hope you stop by. And if not. And there's Cody Coyote. I don't know if you saw it. Oh, nice. yeah. There is a Cody, Cody, Cody. over there. Beautiful. Um, but if you're not able to make it out today, next Thursday, enough time to put in a time off request at work. Can I just stay here till then? Yeah, literally. We'll be right here. Play space, buddy. Again. At the PHNX Coyotes official draft party, it'll be Sean and Petey holding it down in these seats. Craig and I calling in for Montreal. Um, 
4 p.m. You can get your tickets at gophnext.com in the events tab, or we've tweeted it every day on our Twitter. So get your tickets. It's going to be so much fun. Giveaways, drink and food specials, special guests, etc. It's going to be a blast. So this is this is the draft party you're going to want to be at. Yeah. Yeah. I've been coming to this brewery as long as the Coyotes have been in Arizona. That's crazy. So How as long as I've been alive. Okay. There it is. <laughs> wow. Old versus young. Yeah, I can't wait. Can't wait. And, and I can't wait for the show to be, not to be over, because I love the show, because I do. But I'm going to eat. Like, I'm going to yeah. have lunch. So am I. And buddy. then I'm going to take home I dinner. Know exactly from what I'm having. Do you? See, I don't oh, know. Oh, he always gets it. the chicken. And then I'm taking dinner home. I'm going to take boxes of dinner home. So there's two meals at 4 p.m. And that your dinner you'll uh, have at 4 o'clock? Yeah, I probably will. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not done with, with that. That's really good. I'm ready yeah, for another one. I, I'm ready. Yes, please. I, I've been drinking slower. And these guys have to go live in like five yeah, minutes. Yeah, so we, we got to wrap up go. here to, to uh, gotta clear go. out the table. But yep. And Lotone Capone is here, by the way. Oh. You, yeah, he's here. In, nice. Yep. Can't wait. Well, can't wait to say weeks. hi to everyone who I see sitting off to the side yep. here. Really looking forward to it. We're actually going to be live again tomorrow because we switched around our schedule a bit this week. So we'll be live tomorrow at 11 a.m. on the PHNX Sports YouTube channel and uh, talking to a special guest today for that so yes. stay tuned tomorrow to find out who or later tonight who knows um and craig has a ton of draft prep coming yeah. on the website at gophnext.com scouting series sleeper picks all of that i also just published three more uh prospect breakdown videos yesterday on the website we got an exclusive interview with barrett hayden dropping tomorrow all of these things i just said are available for members only all of this is behind the paywall so become a member at gophnx.com now get a shirt from the locker when you sign up you can get cody you can get phnx um, we're hoping to get a collared button down uh phnx shirt soon we got hats just, just saying yeah. we don't need the hoodie <laughs> i'll be wearing it every day just saying check out, out there check out the phnx locker for all of that and if you want to try your first month for just 50 cents you can sign up for month to month as well as an option so lots of great stuff coming up the draft is literally next week we're gonna Craig and I will be in Montreal a week from today already. So stay tuned to at PHNX underscore Coyotes on Twitter for all of that and PHNX Sports across all social platforms. And be sure to subscribe on YouTube because we're going to have a lot of great shows. Yeah, I just coming. ordered my Uber for next <laughs> 30 at 8 p.m. Hey, if you schedule it, yeah. you get a deal, you know? Yeah, Thursday at 8 p.m. Yep. All right. Well, is there anything else you want to add before we have to no, we're good. let That's good. the next we show up in? The table. Yep. No. Everyone stay tuned on the PHNX Sports YouTube channel for PHNX Bets coming in just a few minutes after us. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you again to Bob McKenzie for his time. It was so great talking to him. And uh, we'll see everybody again live tomorrow and or at Four Peaks later today. So we'll hope to see you then. Till then, enjoy the rest of your day, everyone.